0: Medieval philosophers were right, man is the center of the universe. We stand in the middle of infinity between outer and inner space, and there's no limit to either. I never imagined
1: it could be anything
2: like this. I always thought it was nothing but red. Only to the naked eye. Those corpuscles carrying oxygen
0: give the stream its color. The rest of the plasma is very much like seawater. Ocean of life.
3: End to end a hundred thousand miles long. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th annual
2: Hunger Games? <laughs>
0: Doctor, by the way, what's your name?
2: Rose. Nice
0: to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the future of war. Resistance is futile. Dice straight flows from the force, but beware
2: of the dark side. Oh, oh. oh I mean, man, that's kind of catchy. It's got a nice range sure of it. I mean it's not technically accurate to see it's a gold continuous oh, Lord.
0: I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that.
4: you listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Hello everybody. This is Mark Daniels from the Great Pacific Northwest, and you are listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. This is episode 710 for Sunday, December 16th, 2018. I'm back this week with another classic science fiction movie. Today's movie is Fantastic Voyage from 1966. Before I get into today's podcast, I want to thank Rico for giving me this opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoy it. With that said, I'm going to play the trailer to Fantastic Voyage. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'll be back after the trailer with some movie information, and then I'll get into Fantastic Voyage.
0: listening to the sound of a completely new screen experience. A startling new kind of excitement. As 20th Century Fox plunges you into the most incredible adventure that man could ever achieve. To make a motion picture that crosses a new frontier may seem impossible today. Outer space, the depths of the sea, the bowels of the earth, the past, the future, all have been subjects for the camera. But now, a film called Fantastic Voyage has broken through in an unexpected direction to create an adventure of astonishing suspense and beauty. One of the miracles of the universe. Its vital news story sweeps down from the sky. Then, it drops the bottom out of the world you know and understand as a beleaguered nation desperate for survival, launches a journey you can never erase from your memory. We need
3: you for security purposes, Mr. Grant. They know they failed to kill Banish. Security thinks they'll try again, first chance they get.
0: A woman has no place on a mission this I insist on taking my technician. You'll take along who I assign. Don't tell me who I'm going to work with. Four men and a beautiful girl, off on a fantastic voyage, actually entering inside the human body, exploring an unknown universe, unknown dangers. They're tightening. I can't breathe. 24 seconds left. After that, you're in danger of attack. Come on. It's sheer suicide for all of us. You are there with them, sharing a breakthrough in motion picture. It's gone! If you thought it was too late to discover something entirely new on the screen, Fantastic Voyage will be a stunning experience. For you are going where no man or camera has ventured before. When you come out, you may never look at yourself in the same way again.
2: your widest
0: beam
4: full power Fantastic Voyage is a 1966 American science fiction movie directed by Richard Fleischer and produced by Saul David. The story was written by Jerome Bixby and Otto Clement. The screenplay was written by Harry Kleiner. It stars Stephen Boyd, Raquel Welch, Edmund O'Brien, Donald Pleasance, and Arthur Kennedy. The music was written and composed by Leonard Rosenman. Fantastic Voyage was released on August 24, 1966, which happened to be my third birthday, and has a running time of 100 minutes. And here's the cast, starting at the top. Stephen Boyd as Agent Grant. Raquel Welch as Cora Peterson. Edmund O'Brien as General Carter. Donald Pleasance as Dr. Michaels, Arthur O'Connell as Colonel Donald Reed, William Redford as Captain Bill Owens, Arthur Kennedy as Dr. Peter Duval, and Jean Duval as Dr. Jan Benness. And that's all I have for movie information. Now let's get into today's movie. Today's movie takes place during the Cold War. The United States and the Soviet Union have both developed technology that can miniaturize matter by shrinking individual atoms, but only for an hour. The scientist, Dr. Jan Beness, played by Jean Delvan, working behind the Iron Curtain, has figured out how to make the process work indefinitely. With the help of American intelligence agents, he escapes to the West, but an attempted assassination leaves him comatose with a blood clot on his brain. My first clip today is of Agent Grant, played by Stephen Boyd, uh, General Carter, played by Edmund O'Brien, and Dr. Michaels, played by Donald Pleasant. They meet in an underground, top-secret military facility.
2: Hello, Grant. General Carter. Good to see you again. The Pentagon, wasn't it, General? That's right. Only you went in that uniform. Come on. Danesh. What the devil happened?
0: The other side got to him.
2: How bad officer?
0: Brain injuries and a coma.
2: Before or after what he wanted to
0: tell you. Before he could breathe a word. He's the only scientist who knows the answer to what we're after. That's why we have to operate.
2: And why we need you. Me? I can't even put a band-aid on my finger. Here's the surgeon,
0: DeVal. Dr. Peter DeVal, top brain man in the country. Ever hear of him? Sorry, I'm Rusty on surgeons. Who's the girl? Cora Peterson, his technical assistant. You'll be joining DeVal and the others.
2: what can I do? Except maybe pass out.
0: Mike! Yes, Alan? Meet Grant. This is Dr. Michaels, chief of the medical section.
3: Glad to have you with us, Mr. Grant. Wish I knew why. Tell him where he fits in, will you? I've got a few things to check out. We need you for security purposes, Mr. Grant. At an operation? They know they failed to kill Benish. Security thinks they'll try again. First chance they get. We're afraid of sabotage. Surgical assassination.
2: Surgical assassination? That means you suspect him. that's right.
3: Well, I don't agree. Just because he's often difficult. Difficult is impossible. That's no reason to suspect him of disloyalty.
0: Why take the chance? There must be other doctors. Deval's the most skillful brain surgeon in the country, and there's no time. Besides, he's right here at hand. I wouldn't know if he's trying to save him or kill him.
3: I'll be standing by, I would
0: know. No matter what happens, you're to take orders only from Dr. Michaels, understand? Right, sir. Come on along, they'll be operating shortly. See you later,
2: Mike. Is technician okay? In addition to the locust
0: department? No question about loyalty. I'll take that call, please.
2: Yes, sir. I don't mean to be inquisitive, but this CMDF, For all I know, it could stand for the consolidated mobilization of delinquent females. Combined miniature deterrent forces. Say that again. We can reduce
0: anything down to any size we want. People, ships, tanks, planes. General, I've heard some wild ones, but this takes it. We can shrink an army with all its equipment put in a bottle cap. That's why we call it Combined Miniature Deterrent Forces.
2: The other side ever gets hold of a thing like that.
0: They have, but we both have the same problem. Lack of control. They can only keep things miniaturized for exactly 60 minutes. After that, everything starts growing back to its original size.
2: I assume Benish knows how to control it. That's right. You wanted us to have the secret, not them. That's why they'd try to kill him. They'll probably try again. No wonder you want me to stand by during the operation
0: and take a little trip with them.
2: Trip, where to?
0: Well, the only way we can reach that clot is from inside the brain. So we've decided to put a surgical team and crew into a submarine, reduce it way down in size, and inject it into an artery. You mean I'm going along? As part
2: of the crew, yes. Wait a minute. They can't shrink me. I miniaturized I can shrink anything. But I don't want to be miniaturized. It's just for now. Not even for a minute. General Carter, sir, I really think you should reconsider your choice. I just don't think I'm the right kind of man for this kind of job. Grant, you're going to a briefing.
4: In my next clip, we'll meet Colonel Reed, played by Arthur O'Connell. Dr. Peter Duvall, played by Arthur Kennedy. Cora Peterson, played by Raquel Welch. Captain Bill Owens, played by William Redford. When we enter the scene, Dr. Duvall and Colonel Reed will be right in the middle of an argument.
0: Miss Peterson volunteered to come along. So did every male technician in this unit. A woman has no place on a mission of this I insist time. on taking my technician. You'll take along who I assign. Don't tell me who I'm going to work with, not on this operation or any other. I'll do what I think is best without any interference. The man has relied on Miss Peterson for years, and since she wants to come along,
1: I think it's for the best, Dr. Reed. Well, I
0: disagree with you.
1: Since you're in charge, go ahead and do as you please. Well, I want to go on record as being against it.
0: Grant, Colonel Reed, operational commander. How are you? you met our medical chief. This is Dr. Duval, head surgeon. I've heard of you, doctor. Miss Peterson, his technical assistant. How and this you, is Captain ready? Bill Owens, designer of an experimental submarine for the Navy's research and development program. Out of your element, aren't you, Captain? Sort of.
2: That makes two of us.
0: Grant is uniquely suited to this mission. He's a communications expert and he was a frogman during the war. Besides that, he brought Benish into this country, and the fewer people who know about that, the better. At any rate, you'll find Grant invaluable. Should anything go wrong once you're underway.
4: In my next clip, Colonel Reed explains the mission to the crew.
0: Here's the overall target area, Doctor. Benish's brain, as near as we can map it stereotaxically, the clot is right here. It's impossible to get at without damage to the intervening tissue, which would prove fatal to Benish. The only way to reach it is via the arterial system. Phase one
1: calls for miniaturizing a submarine with crew and surgical team and injecting it into the carotid artery. How small will it be? About the size of a microbe. We're putting Benish in deep hypothermia. What? That's freezing him as low as is compatible with human life slow down his heartbeat, and circulation, and all other physical processes. Well, even so, Colonel, because of
3: our size, uh, well, I mean, the lack of it, we'll still be cruising pretty fast. We'll be smashed to bits if there's any turbulence. The only danger of uh, turbulence is in the heart, and we're not going through it. Once in the carotid artery, we remain within the arterial system until we reach the point of the damage. Where Dr. Duval will attempt to dissolve the clot with a laser beam. Um, thank you. After the operation, we return by way of the venous system until we reach the base of the neck, where we'll be removed.
2: Right here, with a hypodermic. How will you know where the sub is at any particular moment? Dr. Michaels is a
1: circulatory specialist and will act as your navigator. He'll know just where you are and you can communicate directly with us by wireless. Besides that, the sub is nuclear powered and
0: we'll be tracking it just as we would any radioactive tracer. There'll be a team of surgeons standing by. They'll be prepared to remove you immediately should anything happen. In any event, you must be out within 60 minutes. After that, you're in danger of attack. Attack?
2: Who, or should I say what, from? Vanishes natural
1: defences. Oh, white corpuscles, antibodies. You see, once you begin to grow, you become a menace to the body, and you'll trigger them off. And there may be other unknown factors. We can't be certain of anything.
0: Any further questions? Anybody? Just one, General. Yes, what's that? Where do I get a cab back to town? (laughs) Dr. Michaels, I think you'd better proceed to the sterilization section. Yes, sir. Will you follow me?
4: The team boards a special submarine named the Proteus, and both are miniaturized to about the size of a microbe. They are then injected into the body of Dr. Beness. They almost immediately encounter a whirlpool, which forces them from an artery to a vein. In my next clip, we find out that the Proteus is off course.
1: Proteus, off course.
0: They've crossed over into the jugular vein. That can't be. There's no direct connection between the two. Well, normally not.
1: Unless there's an arterial venous fistula.
0: A what?
3: It's a, a forced joining of a vein and an artery. It must have happened when bannish was hurt. Yes, a fistula too small to show up in the tests.
1: But big enough for us.
3: Captain, can you head back into the artery?
2: No, we can't fight that current. It's physically impossible.
3: Well, try not to drift down any further. Do what I can. If
2: we can't go back, is there an alternate route?
3: Well, we can go forward on this course, but... that means going directly through the heart. No, no, we can't do that either. Remember, we decided in the briefing. This craft could never stand the turbulence.
2: Yes, it would be a hundred times worse than the whirlpool. That's just dandy. We can't go forward and we can't go back.
3: There's
1: only one thing we can do, call off the mission. But we've no choice. We've got to take them out. No, we've still got 51 minutes. Leave them in. But it's hopeless. They can't go back and they can't go
0: on. I tell you, there's nothing else we can do but remove them. Not until the very last second. We've got to think of something, something to save the situation.
1: Proteus reports trapped in Venus system. Request removal, sir. Well, there it is. What do I tell them, General?
4: the team is forced to go through the heart. Dr. Benness is put into cardiac arrest so the Proteus can pass through the heart. In my next clip, the Proteus has lost a lot of its air supply and must refill its tanks from the lungs of Dr. Benness.
3: I'm losing pressure in the flotation tanks. Would you check the manual control panel that's aft on the starboard side? All right.
2: tanks losing pressure.
3: There must be a short in the electrical valve circuit system. Yeah. That takes care of the valve. I suppose it happened because of that electric shock. Is there any damage? Not to the valve. But we've lost so much air, we can't make it the rest of the way.
2: What do you propose to do, Captain?
3: There's nothing we can do. We can't continue without full tanks.
2: Any reserve air?
3: Enough
0: to breathe, but that's all. Excuse me. Just a few cells away from a vast air chamber. One of the countless alveoli of the lung. (laughs) We can't get enough air to fill a microscopic tank. Maybe we can.
2: Skipper, is there a snorkel in this sub? Yes, there is. Could I run a tube through that wall without harming Benish?
3: Oh, at our present size, uh, I should think so, certainly.
2: If those corpuscles can take on air, there's no reason why we can't. All we have to do is hook up the snorkel to that air chamber you were talking about. And when Benish inhales, there should be plenty of pressure to force the oxygen into the tank. Yes. Yes. How's that sound to you, Skipper?
3: Well, it's a dangerous procedure. If I miss the timing, we could explode the air tanks, but I'm willing to try it.
0: I think we should.
3: Yes, of course. We must try it. Uh, One more thing. It'll be safer if everybody leaves the sub but me. I'll get the equipment.
4: While refilling the air tanks, Grant's tether breaks and he's almost lost in the lungs. When Grant returns to the Proteus, he discovers the laser has been damaged. In my next clip, the team discuss how they're going to fix the laser.
1: And a broken trigger wire.
4: A smashed
2: transistor. No way to fire the lamp. Well, that's the end of the laser. and must cars spare parts.
1: Nothing that's built into the chassis. If it only hadn't come loose.
2: Much beside the point now. Isn't there another surgical procedure you could try? No. No, there's no other way. I really don't see the sense in going on with this. But we must. With no laser? If you had a transistor about this size and power output, and a thin enough wire, could you piece it together?
1: Yes, but it requires absolute precision.
2: A surgeon might. Yes. Yes, I could do it. Well, if I had the parts. I've got a source. All we have to do is tap it. Grant, well, just a minute. you are surely not going to dismantle the wireless. It's just one transistor and a circuit wire. That's all it takes.
3: But that'll knock out our communications. We'll be cutting ourselves off from the
2: outside. They'll still be able to track us by radar because of the radioactive fuel.
0: What's it to be, the wireless or banish his life?
4: In the next clip, Grant confides in Dr. Michaels that there is a saboteur aboard the Proteus.
3: Looks like the sea at dawn. We're safe as long as it remains that color. We're in the pleural sac. It keeps the lungs from rubbing against the wall of the chest up there. When those membranes become inflamed, we end up with pleurisy and a racking cough. Cough? Cough.
2: If he can kick up a storm by just breathing. Oh, his floor is in fine condition. Should be plain sailing from here on. Let's hope so. So far, someone's tried to sabotage this mission twice. Sabotage? I don't uh, quite understand. I saw the laser just before we started. It was fastened down securely. You don't suppose what happened was an accident, any more than my safety line snapping after it was tied off to the sub. Surely you don't seriously suspect Duval. That line was tampered with. Oh, I don't know what to say.
3: Well, I, I know he's under a cloud, but there's not a more
2: dedicated man in the entire medical profession. You still never know what's going on in anyone's mind. I don't believe it. Whatever happened to an next, two in a row. It's possible.
4: In the next clip, Dr. Duval has fixed the laser. But Dr. Michaels insists that Dr. Duval test the laser.
0: It's against my better judgment. Better judgment?
3: To wait until the actual operation when it may be too late? I've done all I could with the lace. All I'm asking is,
0: I'm only asking him that he test it beforehand. If it doesn't work, it's beyond my power to fix it. But if it does work, there's no telling how long it'll stand up. It's a jury rig at best, and we'll need every second of use we can get out of it. That's why I don't want to put any extra strain on the connections by running unnecessary tests. Dr. Deval, I insist that you test the lace. I'll do nothing of the sort. The operation is my responsibility. I won't do it, and that's fine. All right. As usual, you want everything your own way. Only this time there's more at stake. I know perfectly well what's at stake, Dr. Michaels.
4: In my next clip, the team makes it to the location of the blood clot in Dr. Benet's brain.
0: Yet all the suns that light the corridors of the universe shine dim before the blazing of a single thought.
2: Proclaiming an incandescent glory, the myriad mind of man. Very poetic, gentlemen. Let me know when we pass the soul.
0: The soul? The finite mind can comprehend infinity, and the soul, which comes from God, is infinite. Yes, but our time isn't. It? If
3: my calculations are correct. Doctor, what's that at the head?
0: That's it. That's the site of the injury. That dark spot.
3: We'd better get prepared. There just isn't time. I don't see how you could possibly operate and get out of here before the hour's up. Captain, you'd better head for the removal point. Removal point? What are you talking about? We've only six minutes left. We'll just barely make it. Hold it, Skipper.
2: What happens if we overstay?
3: Once time's up, deminiaturization begins. Then, within a matter of seconds, the ship will grow big enough to become a danger to the system then white corpuscles will swarm to destroy it, as they would
2: any other invader. Skipper, how long will it take us to get from here to the removal point?
3: About two minutes.
2: That still leaves me four minutes to operate.
0: All you'll succeed in doing is getting us trapped. I simply won't hear of it. Captain,
3: return immediately to the removal point. All right.
2: Grant, what are you doing? My power's gone. Duval, get the laser.
3: Grant, I'm in charge of this mission. You were instructed to take orders from me, not to give them. I'm sorry, the situation has changed. Nothing's changed so far as my authority goes. We've got to get out of here now. It's
2: sheer suicide for all of us. I'm not going to let him operate. Dr. Michaels, you're in no condition to make any decision.
0: Duval, you're not going to go through with this. I absolutely forbid it. I won't allow you or anyone
2: else to leave this ship. I'm going to
0: do all I can to save Benish.
4: During the critical phase of the operation, Dr. Michaels knocks out Captain Owens and takes control of the Proteus while the rest of the crew is outside for the operation. Dr. Duval successfully removes the clot with the laser, but Dr. Michaels tries to crash the Proteus into the clot area to kill Dr. Benness. Grant fires the laser at the ship, causing it to veer away and crash. Dr. Michaels is trapped in the wreckage and is killed when the white corpuscles attack and destroy the Proteus. In my next clip, General Carter tries to convince Colonel Reed that the team is still alive.
0: Hold it, Doctor. What is it? That blip we're picking up might only be a radioactive particle. The Proteus may already be destroyed. What are you getting at? If I were in that place and I were running out of time, I'd abandon ship before I grew to dangerous size and use the extra few minutes to get out the quickest way possible, on my own. Along the optic nerve to the eye.
1: Wait 30
4: seconds. Grant saves Captain Owens from the ship, and the remaining team swims desperately to one of Benet's eyes, where they escape through a tear duct seconds before returning to normal size. And that's the end of the movie. Now it's time for some movie trivia. During the filming, one of the two three-inch Proteus models used in the miniaturization sequence was left by an open window, and a crow came in and flew off with it. Fantastic Voyage was the first role at Fox for Raquel Welch, who was spotted in a beauty contest by producer Sal David's wife. Raquel Welch said in her 2013 book that she was infatuated with actor Stephen Boyd, during the making of this film. Fantastic Voyage won two Academy Awards and was nominated for three more. It won the Oscar for Best Art Direction and Special Effects. It was nominated for Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, and Best Sound Editing. Two years after Fantastic Voyage was released, ABC aired an animated series of the same name on Saturday mornings. Joe Dante's film, "Interspace from 1987, was heavily influenced by today's movie. And that's all I have for movie trivia. Now it's time for the Star Trek Connection. Everybody knows I'm a big Star Trek fan, and I try to find a Star Trek Connection in every TV show or movie I watch. Jerome Bixby is today's Star Trek Connection. He wrote four stories for Star Trek the original series. He wrote the stories for Mirror Mirror, Requiem for Methuselah, Day of the Dove, and by any other name. And that's it for the Star Trek Connection. Here are my comments about today's movie. I watched the 2000 DVD release from Fox Home Video. It was part of a double feature with Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. The picture and sound quality are pretty good on the DVD. The only bonus feature was the theatrical trailer. That's it. This is one of my favorite science fiction movies. I saw it for the first time when I was seven or eight years old. And it's always reminded me of a lava lamp. I have a lava lamp in my office. And watching this movie goes, wow, I should plug in my lava light. Um, This movie has a great story. Check it out. You got a medical team that's shrunken to microscopic size inserted into the bloodstream of a dying scientist in order to save his life. Battling the body's defenses, the team must complete their mission before time runs out. That's a great story. And by the way, that's off the DVD case. I didn't think of that myself. Um, throw on a little cold war intrigue. Bam. You got fantastic voyage. I think the uh, cast did a good job. There were no standout performances. Everybody just did a standard job. Um, Raquel Welch's character was one of those characters that they always had in the 1950s science fiction movies. You know, they always had, she's either a nurse or, or an assistant scientist, and they're there for eye candy and to get rescued. The only difference about Raquel Welch's character in today's movie and the movies made in the 1950s, she didn't make sandwiches and coffee. That's the only difference. There was another character in the day's movie that was straight out of the 1950s as well. It's uh Colonel Reed, Arthur, uh, Arthur O'Connell's character. And he was definitely out of the 1950s. No woman should be allowed to do anything but have babies and make sandwiches and coffees. That's all they're supposed to do. The rest of the cast, Stephen Boyd, Arthur Kennedy and William Red- Redfield, yeah, they were OK. I mean, everybody did a decent job. But the one character that made me laugh out loud was Edmund O'Brien's character. There's a scene of him drinking some coffee and he's pouring tons of sugar in it. I mean, and he's drinking coffee like a madman. And then he runs out of sugar and he says, it's a bad day to run out of sugar. And all I could think of was Lloyd Bridges and airport going, it's a bad day to stop sniffing glue. The special effects in this movie were amazing. They still are amazing. I don't mean to say were they are amazing. Uh, You have to remember this movie was made over 50 years ago. So everything was done with practical effects. So they made a full size Proteus sub with the interior detailed so they can film it from the outside and film it from the inside looking out. They made huge sets for the brain and the ear canal and the lungs. I mean, they went all out. They don't even do that anymore. Everything is CG and it's all done on a computer, but these guys built stuff and all the special effects that are in this movie. In my opinion, they still hold up today. It looks, it's a great looking movie. Um, Fantastic Voyage also has a great score. It was composed by Leonard Rosenman. And I'm watching this movie and I'm listening to the score and I'm going, wow, this sounds really familiar. So the first thing that came to my mind was The Planet of the Apes. So I did a little research and guess what? He composed the score to Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Overall, this is a great science fiction movie. And I would recommend it to all science fiction fans. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's not that expensive. I picked up a copy on Amazon for like 10 bucks. Who doesn't have 10 bucks? Um, on a scale from 1 to 10, I'm going to give Fantastic Voyage a solid 8. And those are my comments about Fantastic Voyage. That's it for today's podcast. Uh, Before I wrap things up today, I want to thank Rico again for giving me this opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll end today's podcast with some music from Fantastic Voyage. Rico will be back next week with a special Christmas video cast. I'll be back soon with another classic science fiction movie. Until then, Everyone take care. This is M5, signing off.
0: I can bring you to In sci fi dot com forward slash form for we'll right to Rico today. Trek SF at gmail dot com. Until next
2: time, live long and prosper. Trek's
4: in sci fi. Let me bring you down. End of transmission.